church. Can you guys over here see the screen all right? I'm going to point to it a bit this morning. How's everyone this morning? A few weeks ago we were, yes, a few people are good. <laughs> the rest of us maybe are still asleep. It's gray out today. Uh, a few weeks ago, Pastor Jim, we were sitting in a staff meeting. He goes, Michael, I think I want to start... You're preaching the last Sunday of February. I think I want to start a new series uh, on Colossians. Uh, would you be willing to start that series? And I said, sure, that'd be, that'd be great. I'd love to. Um, he said, great. Can you preach on, on verses 1 through 8? And I kind of paused and looked at it. I was like, you mean the verses where Paul says, hello, church? Because um, you know how Paul writes, like the, the first... The first chapter is his greeting to, to whatever he's church. I said, yeah, I can probably handle hello. Um, we'll come up with some stuff. But no, uh, we are diving into a new series today on Colossians. Uh, and we're going to take a deep dive uh, through the book of Colossians, four chapters. Um, I don't even know how many Sundays this is going. Do we have an idea yet? 76. We're going to go... Uh, line by line each each Sunday. If I'm doing hello this morning, um, yeah, it's going to take us a while. We're going to do several weeks, eight, nine, ten weeks of Colossians. So we're going to be taking a deep dive uh, into that. But, but before we take any deep dive into Scripture, it's really important to get the context uh, of what we're reading. Uh, if we don't have the context of what we're reading, it's really easy for us to um, read things into the text that aren't there or misinterpret text uh, from what the meaning of the text was, was supposed to be trying, the point it was trying to get across. And so uh, before we take this deep dive in Colossians, we thought it would be a good idea to this morning take a step back and, and look at the book of Colossians from a broad view. Uh, get an idea of what the context of this letter of Paul's was so that we can have that in the back of our minds as, as we go throughout these uh, upcoming weeks, taking a deeper dive into small sections of, of the Scripture and, and digesting that as we go. So that's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to try not to be too uh, teacher schoolhouse up here with uh, learning the background of, of Colossians. Um, but today is going to be more of, a, of a, an educational kind of setting than it is going to be a, a preachy kind of setting. So um, I hope you're okay with that. But there's some great context here uh, and some great, um, great things to have in mind as we're reading the book of Colossians uh, to help us gain a better understanding uh, of God's truth in it for us. So uh, do we have my map? I have a map for you guys to take a look at. Can we put that up on the screen? Maybe? Is it there? I broke their system earlier. I brought my picture on a flash drive, and they plugged my flash drive into their computer back there, and all the lights went out. That's week 35. We can, we can move on without the map, I suppose. Um, what the map is, was of, and, and maybe it'll come up here as I continue to talk, um, what was a map of the Mediterranean area. So um, way over here, if you can imagine it, was Jerusalem and Antioch. And we came over here and we got into Ephesus. 
and Corinth was down here, and Athens was up here, and, and Rome was way over here. And, and, it, and it illustrated, uh, it mapped out Paul's missionary journeys. Uh, Paul took three missionary journeys, and then a fourth journey uh, to Rome. And it outlined uh, all of those uh, missionary journeys that he took. And, and within that map, you see all the, the, the churches that Paul started. Paul was a church planter. And so on, on this map, you saw, um, you saw the, the, the church of, of um, the Ephesians church. You saw the Thessalonians church. Um, you saw Philippian, uh, Philippi was on there. Um, uh, Colossae was on there. Uh, all these places that, that Paul had been and all these places that, that Paul had planted the seed of the gospel and that churches had sprung up, all these places were, were on there. And right over here, kind of set in from uh, the Mediterranean coast, uh, was this small town of, of Colossae. Now, in all Paul's journeys, and, and my map was a really good one. It showed all the air. There was arrows going all over the place in here where Paul had been. Um, but what was interesting is Paul had never been to Colossae. Uh, it had been all around it, like circled it, um, but had never been there. Uh, and and the, so the church at Colossae, um, a little bit off topic, I guess, but, but the church of Colossae is a great example of, uh, of church multiplication uh, in the early stages of, of the church. Paul was a, was a church planter, and he traveled uh, the Mediterranean planting churches uh, in an addition kind of, of, of format. Everywhere Paul went, he kind of planted another church, and then he moved on to the next place, and he planted another church, and he moved on to the next place, and he planted another church. Colossae is, the, is I, I think, one of the first examples of where we see uh, one of his churches sending out and planting another church. So uh, Paul's friend and, and Christian brother, uh, Epaphus, Epaphras uh, uh, was from the city of Colossae, and, and, and the city of Colossae, just to give you some, some background, at one point in time uh, was a very prosperous town. It sat on a Roman road, a very important Roman road uh, for transportation and trade, and so um, it was an intersection of, of uh, trade routes, and so there were um, Lots of people from different cultures that came through the city of Colossae. It was a very wealthy and prosperous community, uh, a very important uh, community. But at some point, the, the, the trade routes changed, and, and the road system changed, and, and, and Colossae started to decline in its prominence. Uh, it was no longer a major, at a major crossroads, and, and the roads of transportation and trade And so by the time Paul came onto the scene, Colossae really wasn't that important of a town. It was a small market town at that point, but still had this history, this heritage of this melting pot kind of community. And so keep that in mind as, as we continue to talk. But, but Paul didn't plant the church of Colossae. He had never even been to Colossae. His friend and, and Christian brother, uh, Epaphras, uh, who, who was from Colossae, probably heard the gospel while Paul was preaching it in Ephesus and took that good news back to his hometown, and he started a church, the Church of Colossae. All of a sudden, we have multiplication happening. Um, I'm a church planter, so I get excited about that kind of thing. That's not what 
the book of Colossians isn't about church planting. That's not what it's about. But fun little side note, church multiplication happening right there in the context of, of Colossians. So city of Colossae, we've got this, this melting pot heritage, uh, but it's no longer a, a great city of, of importance. Um, but Epaphras has, has taken the good news of the gospel back to his hometown, and he shared it, and he's planted this church. Uh, another um, great illustration here, and I'm going to stick on the church planting topic for a second. Another great illustration of um, one of the, the, the key advantages to, to planting a church within a denomination or within a network, within a family or community of churches, is that the reason the book of Colossians was written is Epaphras had gone to, at this point in time, when, when, the, when, the, when the book of Colossians was written, Paul was in most likely his first Roman imprisonment. So Paul is writing this letter from Rome in a prison. He's way over here on my map, which you can see. Oh, there it is. There's my map. See? This isn't my map. This is a different map, but this works. So Paul's over here in Rome, and his, his buddy Epaphras has planted a church over here in Colossae. And it's doing pretty well, and it's to surface. There's some heretical teaching, some false teaching that's starting to surface within the The great thing about planting within a community of churches, a family of churches, is, is that Epaphras isn't out here alone on an island. So what does Epaphras do when he's confronted with these issues that he's facing, these false teachings, these heretical teachings that are going on within his church, and the issue is bigger than him? He's not alone on an island. So Epaphras travels over here to Rome to seek Paul's counsel. And, and so Epaphras gets to Rome and, and finds and sits down and has a meeting with him. And, and Epaphras reports on all that's going on in Colossae. He reports the good that's going on in Colossae, which Paul's already aware of. You know, Paul's getting reports of all these churches coming in when he's um, in Rome. Many of, many of the letters that Paul writes that we have as books in the Bible come from periods of time when, when, when Paul was in prison. Um, so Paul was constantly getting reports on, on how the church was doing, um, and he was giving counsel. The prison chains couldn't keep him confined. Uh, we talked about breaking chains, right? Uh, or we sang about it. So, so Epaphras goes to Paul in Rome, in prison, and says, Paul, this is what's happening. Um, these, you know, this is the good that we see happening. We see God at work. We see people coming to faith. Uh, we see people giving their lives to, to Christ. We see all this happening. They're putting their trust and faith in him. But there are these false teachings that are creeping in. And it's a big deal, and it's going to become a bigger deal unless we do something about it. But I don't know what to do. Um, it's bigger than me. I need your help. So Paul writes this letter of Colossians. And the, the, uh, the book of Colossians really, if I were to sum up the whole book in just a single phrase, the book of Colossians, the, the point of Colossians is to remind the church 
of Christ's supremacy and of Christ's sufficiency. To remind the church that Christ is King and Lord of all, and to remind the church that Christ is enough. Like those, if Paul were alive today writing this letter to the church at Colossae, he probably wouldn't have written a letter. He probably would have just taken a selfie of himself in a shirt kind of like this that just says, Jesus saves, bro, and he just would have texted it out to him, and that's all they would have needed. Fortunately, uh, they didn't have texting back then, so he had to write this beautiful uh, letter to the, to the Colossians, which we have in our scripture today. Um, so Paul writes a letter to the Colossians. And, and so uh, the first and second chapters are really focusing on the supremacy of Christ. Colossians, throughout Scripture, is probably one of the most important uh, books in the Bible when it comes to Christology. Just a fancy term for who we believe Christ is. So if you want a picture of who this person is of Jesus Christ, the book of Colossians is a great book to turn to. The first two chapters focus in on who is this Jesus Christ? And in fact, and I'm not going to dive too deep into it because I don't want to steal uh, someone else's thunder. But in chapter 1, verse 15 through, uh, through 20, we get this beautiful poem of who Christ is. And, and just, just descriptive after descriptive of who is this person of Christ and his supremacy. It talks about that Christ is is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation. By him, all things are created in heaven and on earth. It talks about how all things were created through him and for him and before all things. And he is before all things, meaning he was always present. He was always there. In him, all things hold together. He says that Christ was preeminent. He existed eternally. In him, all the, fullest, all the fullness of God exists. Um, talks about how through him is reconciliation. You see, some of the things, there were three things, three false teachings that were threatening the, the church in Colossae. One was a a Jewish form of legalism. There was this legalistic teaching happening within the Colossian church, um, and, and really that really focused on uh, dietary restrictions, really focused on um, observance of of religious days, and focused on uh, ritualistic acts like circumcision. And it, and, it, and it taught that these, these ritualistic, these legalistic things were the path to salvation. So that was one issue that was facing Colossae, the one, one of the false teachings that was taking place there. Another was a form of mysticism or, or, uh, or angel worship or spirit worship. There was a lot of this. Um, the, 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 the Colossians were... Uh, worshiping other intermediaries um, between them and, and God. They were putting 
um, this mysticism uh, type of worship uh, in the mix with Christian theology. And so you had that aspect going on. And you also had uh, these practices of asceticism or, or um, these extreme, this belief that almost kind of a precursor to, to Gnosticism, these big ism words, right? Um, but but what, what it really was, was, uh, what was the, the idea that all earthly, material, uh, fleshly things are evil. Uh, especially the flesh, the body, is evil. And so you would get practices of um, extreme self-deprivation, um, uh, of even extreme uh, self-bodily harm um, as a means of trying to gain enlightenment. Um, Gnosticism was, was a, a knowledge-based salvation, and, and so we're going to destroy the body in an effort to enlighten the mind and the soul and separate soul from body um, and become these enlightened spiritual beings and that that is the way to, to salvation. And of course, all of us sitting here today are, are you know, would, would hear that kind of thing and, and, and be like, and that's way off in left field or, or right field. Why would anyone ever um, mix that with, with Christian theology. It just doesn't make sense. But you have to remember the context uh, in which the, the Colossians are, are hearing the gospel, right? They, they, are, they are new Christians that have for generations been in this melting pot of Roman and Greek culture. And in this Roman and Greek culture, they have all these different gods that rule over all these different aspects of uh, human life and, and worldly life. And so now they're hearing this, this, this Christian gospel of the supremacy of, of Christ and, and God the Father, and um, it's just another deity uh, that's being added to their, to their list of, of deities. And so um, two things I think are really happening here causing these, these false teachings to gain a, a, a foothold. One is um, that, that the Christians aren't putting their full faith and trust in God. What they're, what they're doing is, is taking this, this new idea of Jesus Christ that's being presented to them, that's being taught to them out of the gospel, and they're plugging him in where they've got gaps. Right? We've got this God who handles this area of our life. We've got this deity who handles this area of our life. Um, but we've got some holes here. This Christ fellow you're talking about sounds pretty good. Let's kind of, we'll putty him in here. And, and all of a sudden you have these ideas that are, that are mixing uh, together. Another thing that, that I think uh, could very well be happening here is that um, in, in not putting their full faith and trust in Christ, what's happening is when they run into um, issues or struggles or, or trials, they start trying to replace Christ with these other things uh, from these other cultures. Uh, and, and so instead of fully trusting and relying in, in Christ and the salvation that they bring, 
they're, they're relying on worldly thing, the worldly things around them to try to answer these questions that they have or to try to fix these problems that they're, that they're facing. And when we think about these, these issues, these false teachings that are creeping into the church, when we think about them beyond just the, um, the actual individual issue that is going on, but think of it in the context of more of why are these issues happening, it doesn't seem so unusual and so far-fetched. In fact, if we go back throughout Scripture, we see example after example after example of this same thing happening. Look at Israel when it wandered through the wilderness. It had God leading the way through the wilderness in the form of a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. And it had Moses as as a direct contact to God, giving them guidance and God's word and, and God's wisdom but the, 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 the nation of Israel was getting tired of wandering around in the wilderness, and instead of relying on God to be faithful, they wanted idols created. They wanted man-made gods uh, to help give them confidence uh, to go through this trial that they were facing. Fast forward, and Israel becomes a nation, and they have God as their king and lord, and they have God-appointed judges Um, as leaders amongst them. But they start looking around at the other nations who all have kings, and they're saying, hey, something's wrong with us. We need a king. And they start asking for kings, and, and God finally gives them a king. But they were, again, wanting something to replace the supremacy, the lordship of, of God. We do the same thing today. It's not an Old Testament issue. It's not a New Testament issue. It's an issue uh, that has uh, plagued humanity throughout its history. We do the same thing today. We replace God with with human-made constructs and human-made crutches all the time, don't we? We do it when we face trials and tribulations. We, 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 we try to fix things through our own power, through our own means. We rely on our, on our jobs. We rely on our resources. We, we put our faith and trust in um, our leadership. We put our faith and our trust um, in our relationships. Uh, we put our faith and our trust in our, in our families. Um, and not that necessarily any of those things are, are bad, but they were never designed to put our hope in God was and we do the same thing today and, and, and so we we, <laughs> we replace God with uh, these man-made constructs in order to try to fix our issues in our in our own under our own power and it, and it doesn't work it falls short every single time and we also uh, r- replace you know, we do the same thing as, as, the, as the Colossians were doing in mixing these man-made idols, these man-made gods in with our Christian theology. We see this happen all the time in the church where our, our ritualistic practices and our structures uh, become God and become our items of worship. And, and we have these uh, quote-unquote Christian lives um, that become the idol um, Instead of the transformation that, that Christ takes us through and 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 becoming this becoming this false uh, being 
you know, this, this idyllic Christian persona that we've, that we've created within the, the church context becomes that, that idol of worship. And instead of laying ourselves down at Christ's feet and allowing him to transform us into who he's created us to be, we try under our own power to become who we think we should be within the, the, the construct, constructs of, of Christian life. So we do this, this same kind of stuff that you would, that you would read through uh, Colossians in an, in, an, in an initial context and go, why in the world this is crazy that the Colossians are doing this kind of thing? And Paul, so Paul uh, takes the first couple of chapters to remind them of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Like the song that we just sang about breaking chains, Paul is p- crying out to the Colossians, saying all those things, all those false idols, all those legalistic and ritualistic practices that you are turning to to break the chains of the sin, the, the, break the chains that the sin of your lives has created, none of them are sufficient. None of them are able to break the chains as you're needing them broken. But Christ is, and this is why, because Christ is supreme. Christ is Lord. Christ is king over all. He is creator. He is God. He is enough. Like many of Paul's letters, the first half of the letter is a lot of theology about who Christ is, about who God is, about what it means to be Christian. And and that reigns true in in, in the book of Colossians as well. So the first couple of of chapters really, like I said, dive deep into the supremacy and the sufficiency of Christ. The second half of the book takes a shift, and it becomes more of a practical application of this theology into our daily lives. And Paul paint, starts to paint this picture of what our lives as Christians should look like if we have placed Christ in the position of supremacy that he belongs in. So if we truly have placed Christ in a position of supremacy within our lives, a transformation should take place within our lives, and this is what it should look like. And he throughout this letter, throughout these, uh, the chapter 3 and chapter 4 of this letter, he turns upside down what the common thinking of life and how it's lived out should look like. Again, the Colossians were kind of plugging Christ into where they felt they had gaps in their life. And Paul is saying, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. Uh, Christ is supreme, and when he is supreme in your life, he doesn't just come in and fill in cracks. He breaks down walls. He breaks you down. The old you dies, and the new you rises out of this transformation. Jesus doesn't come in to fill the gaps. He comes in to completely transform. And not just bits and pieces of your life. He comes in to transform the whole of your life. 
the whole of, of your life, of who you are and how you think and how you act and how you behave and how the world around you functions. You start to look at the world differently and how it should function differently when, when Christ has transformed you. Christ comes in and takes the world as you know it and flips it upside down. And so Paul comes in and, and the, 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 Roman, the Roman hierarchy, the Roman fam, familial, familial structure, um, the Roman, what's uh, 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 the word I'm looking for, communal structure uh, was very hierarchical. Um, you, know, you had uh, uh, um, uh, men were, were, were supreme, um, women and children were possessions, slaves were, were possessions. Um, there was a hierarchy of, of leaderships and, and roles. Um, there was a hierarchy of culture um, in, in amongst the, the, the Roman culture and the Greek culture. Um, and so there were all these tiers and, and levels. And, and Paul comes in and turns all of those things um, upside down uh, in his writings and in teachings on what Christ does when he's placed as supreme in our lives. And, 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 and how none of those, those systems and, and hierarchies uh, have anything to do with how Christ transforms us. And, and so there's not much of of the Colossians' life that, that Paul doesn't touch on in this second half of, of his letter. He touches on the familial structure um, and what that looks like within a Christian household and how a husband relates to his wife and how parents relate to their, to their children. He, 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 he takes a look at and flips upside down how uh, we interact with those who have authority over us and how we interact with those who we have authority over. He comes in and flips upside down um, the, the context of how we interact with those who we work with. He comes in and he flips upside down uh, how we interact with those who are around us. Um, he flips upside down how we would, as, as Christians, interact with the world that we are surrounded with, those who, who don't know Christ as our Savior. Um, in, in this uh, uh, mystic and, and Gnostic kind of philosophy, if you were enlightened, it was a very elitist kind of mentality, um, which, man, we have that today too, don't we, unfortunately, in a lot of, in a lot of our church. We, we, we start to see ourselves above those who are outside of our circles. And Paul is saying in the second half of the book, no, there is, there is neither Jew, nor Greek, nor Gentile, nor... Like, he's flipping all those, all those constructs upside down. He says Christ, like, breaks all that down and transforms. There isn't... What Paul is saying is, look, there isn't an aspect of life... There isn't an aspect of who you are, of what you do, of, of how you live, of what you say, of, of how you think. There isn't a part of this world that isn't touched 
and transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And when, and when we put Jesus Christ in the position where he belongs as Lord and Savior, as King over all, that transforms who we are. It can't not. It can't not transform. And if we are being transformed, this is what it should look like. He goes so far to say, and, and this is getting a little bit into the nitty-gritty. So, I'm going to turn to the verse because I'll butcher the guy's name. I'll probably still butcher the guy's name. Uh, so, Paul has sent, uh, right, he couldn't just send a letter to, to read. Most, uh, most of the church probably wouldn't have been able to read it. So he sends a messenger who, who shares the letter. The messenger's name was Tychicus. Tychicus. I think that's pretty good, actually. Tychicus. Um, sends Tychicus with this letter to, to, to give to the Colossians and, and to read to them, to proclaim to them this message that Paul has for him. But with Tychicus is this person called Onesimus. And, and, and Paul asks the church at, at Colossians to receive Onesimus as, as a brother. But what we don't really get in the book of Colossians, what we do get in the book of Philemon, which is probably another letter that Tychicus had in his back pocket to share with Philemon, who was a member of this church at Colossae, um, is that Onesimus was a slave of Philemon who had escaped and had made his way to Paul in Rome and had served, become a Christian under, under Paul's tutelage and guidance and has served Paul in, in Paul's ministry in a very meaningful way. And Paul is sending Onesimus back to Colossae, to Philemon, and is asking them to receive Onesimus not as a an escaped slave that's being sent back, but as a Christian brother, as an equal. This would have been like, this would have been unheard of. Because the, 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 the human construct of their society, that would have been imprisonment at best, death more than likely for Onesimus. But Paul's saying, look, this is another this is another aspect of life. This is another perspective that Jesus, Jesus' death and resurrection has turned upside down. And so, welcome Onesimus back, not as, not as a slave. You're going to find him a whole lot more useful to you now as a Christian brother. He has served me in my ministry and, and done things that I couldn't have been able to do without him. And I feel like he's going to be an important part in and what you've going on, what you've got going on there. So welcome him back. Paul illustrating this, this transformative quality of Jesus Christ when we place him as Lord and Savior over our lives. And so Jim asked me to teach today on verses 1 through 8. And so I'm going to end my message this morning with the beginning of Paul's letter. 
And I'll, 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 I'll read the whole thing to you, and then I'm going to put up a verse here uh, that I really want to highlight. Paul's letter starts out like this in verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you, as indeed the whole world it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. Since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. So Paul starts off this letter to the Colossians that's intended to correct all this false teaching this heretical teaching that's going on in the church. The point of this letter is to fix some bad stuff that's happening. But Paul doesn't start this letter off by leaning into him, into the, into the church. He's, he doesn't start this letter off by pointing his finger. He doesn't start off this letter by listing out all the shortcomings that is brothers and sisters in Christ in the church of, of Colossae are, are having. He starts out this letter with a simple reminder of where their hope lies. Look at verse 4 and 5. Can we put that up? Paul starts out this letter by, by telling them that we, we give thanks for you every day, about the good work that God is doing in you, about the faith that you are putting in Jesus Christ, and we pray for you daily. So Paul's been hearing about the good stuff that God has been doing in the church, and he reminds them of the hope that they have in Jesus Christ, which is what first brought them to faith. Here in verse 4, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. First and second commandment, right? Love the God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. We've heard these things about you. That you're doing these things because of the hope that you have in Jesus Christ, because of the truth you heard in the gospel. Church, today there's a lot of things that we get wrong. We're not perfect, right? Maybe Jim. We're not perfect. We get this stuff wrong. We mess up all the time. It's good that God is gracious, isn't it? We're called to be gracious too. 
And so Paul starts off this letter with the reminder of the hope that lies in Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, it was because of the hope that I felt in him. He gave my life meaning. He gave my life purpose. He made sense of things that didn't make sense. He gave reason to things that didn't have reason. He gave my life hope. You and I can't fix our issues. Can't. God can. Jesus Christ can. What we need is reminders of the hope that Christ gives us. What we need is reminders of who Christ is and what he's done for us. And this letter of Colossians, this letter from Paul to the church at Colossae, is it a beautiful illustration of exactly that. And so I am excited to dive into this book of Colossians as a church to gain a fuller understanding of who Christ is, what he's done, what he can do, what he offers in our lives, the transformation that he can bring. And when we place him in the position that he belongs in and allow ourselves to be transformed by his spirit as individuals and as a church, I'm excited for what's going to come out of this church through this series we're doing in this book. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the sacrifice that he made for us on the cross. Thank you for his victory over death and his resurrection. Thank you for the grace that you pour out on us when we get following you wrong. Thank you for the constant open arms that you have to welcome us back, to welcome us back into when we fall astray. God, I pray your spirit in this place. I pray your spirit in our hearts as we dive into this book of Colossians. Let your spirit guide us to the truth of these words in your gospel. Let your spirit guide us to the truth of who your son Jesus Christ is. Let, us, let, his, let your spirit guide us to the truth of his supremacy. Let your spirit guide us to the rest that takes place in his sufficiency. God, give us reliance on your Son, Jesus Christ. It's in your name we pray. Amen.